Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Leanne DeSanto, and I'm so excited to be here with you today and truly honored that you are with us as well. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. Now today, we have Lama Paulden Droma. She is the author of Love on Every Breath. She's a licensed psychotherapist, spiritual coach, and a Tibetan Buddhist Lama. She has an amazing story we can't wait to share with you. And remember, we are here to not only inspire, but to give you tangible strategies that you can implement right now. So rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Welcome, Lama Paulden. How are you today? Thank you. I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, we're so excited to have you on the Rise Up For You podcast. And we always like to start by our guests sharing with our audience you know, who they are and what they do. Okay, great. So, yeah, I'm a Tibetan Buddhist Lama, which means like a priest or a Roshi, a rabbi, like that. And um, some people have asked me, how did a nice uh, Marin County girl from the San Francisco Bay Area end up being a Tibetan Buddhist priest, basically a Lama? And, you know, as a young woman, I really followed um, my own heart calling. Uh, Growing up in a very upper middle class area here in the Bay Area, I saw that Everybody had done the perfect thing with their life, gone to the top college, gotten the top job. They were a CEO or an attorney or something like that with a beautiful house and a nice family. But everybody was miserable and neurotic. And so I saw this when I was about 13. I noticed this very intensely because it was the whole breaking open of the 60s in the Bay Area. So I noticed that and I thought I really want to take a different path I don't want to spend all my energy doing what you know this American path just to end up not really fulfilled inside myself Mm -hmm. and I think uh, because you know my family had been highly educated for generations I my parents were fine about that they let me do my own thing and you know we weren't scrambling just to survive and I think that gave me an opportunity which many people have now to really search out what was going to bring me meaning and fulfillment in a real way in my life. And that led me to start studying comparative religion and mysticism and doing meditation and a lot of yoga and eventually to the Himalayas where I studied very intensely with um, many Tibetan teachers, but one in particular, my primary teacher, Kalu Rinpoche, And that was uh, very enjoyable, which is funny to say, coming from uh, upper middle class California (laughs) to living with Tibetan refugees in India, but it was actually delightful. And the physical conditions, although they were primitive, were, you know, we were young, it was fine. And it was so wonderful to be with these great masters. It was such Mm. a, a blessing and an honor that it was really worth it. And then uh, I also had wondered, raised in the Anglican Episcopalian Church, 
I wondered as a young teenager, when do we do the part like Jesus did, where we go to the desert? Like I had this feeling like, like Jesus' example, we needed to also, you know, do some spiritual work. And it turned out that my Tibetan teacher was pretty much definitely for the last half of the 20th century, the preeminent retreat master and yogic master for the Tibetans. And so he was setting up uh, three retreat centers around the world, as well as, of course, he had them in Tibet and in the Himalayan regions. So then I ended up going into three-year retreat in 1982, which was a leaving behind of everything because we were completely cloistered and we could receive or send out letters, but otherwise we were cut off from the outside world for three years and about four months. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But so that was a really, it was the hardest thing I've ever done because it was a really hard piece of work. We were doing meditation probably 15, 16 hours a day. And well, not quite that much because there were some food breaks too, but intensely working with our mind with ourselves our you know the psychological issues that came up during that kind of intense spiritual practice but even though it was the hardest thing i've ever done it was definitely the most worthwhile and paid off way more big time than all the effort i put in wow that is an amazing story Please tell me more. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so after I came out of retreat and I came back to California and um, a a year later, I was made a Lama by my teacher with authorization. Really uh, not, you don't have to teach, but usually that title is given for people to teach and to be, you know, helping people in various ways. And, I, I did a little of that, but I didn't do a whole lot of that for about 10 years. I went to grad school so that my financial well-being wasn't tied to the spiritual and became a psychotherapist and trained in that and uh, worked in Palo Alto as a psychotherapist for some years and, and in Marin too. And then eventually I founded a Buddhist center in Marin County just in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then have been teaching there for the last 22 years, as well as doing some some one-on-one deep individual work as, as well. Uh, and then that leads me to why I wrote this book at this time. And in the last few years, I think we've all seen the rise of hatred against certain different groups in our world. Mm-hmm. And that whole kind of rhetoric and that kind of sentiment. And so in our lineage, one of the meditations I had received from my teacher originally in the Himalayas and then later again in Three Year Retreat is a heart-opening meditation where we actually learn to grow our love for ourselves and work through what comes up when we're thinking about or, you know, trying to bring love and kindness to ourselves and working on uh, opening our heart and extending our heart and really allowing our heart to uh, be able to transform suffering into love through the meditation for ourselves and for all other 
humans and all other beings. Mm, nice. And so I do have the book here, Love on Every Breath. And the subtitle is Tonglen Meditation for Transforming Pain into Joy. So tell me a little bit, there's lots of different forms of meditation. There's a lot out there about meditation, um, from general down to really niche specific ways of practicing. Tell me a little bit about the Tonglen Meditation. Sure, yeah. So first of all, it might be interesting for people to hear that this practice, this meditation practice was given by an enlightened woman and uh, named Naguma, and it's been orally transmitted ever since. So this is the first time it was written down, for, and it, people have been transmitting it for a thousand years. And it's a form of Tonglen, which is a um, heart-opening practice that is done in Tibetan Buddhism, but it's a rare and unique form. Actually, it's there's no other one quite like it. So it's really about... <clears throat> being willing to um, breathe in our own suffering and have it be completely transformed and liberated through the awakened heart. And there's eight steps and also for others, as I said. So it's both, well, we start with ourselves because it's hard to really open our hearts to others if we haven't opened our heart to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And Many, many people in our culture, most people find it easier actually to open our hearts to another, to somebody we love. And it's harder for, you know, a lot of psychological reasons, issues we have about ourselves, you know, anger at ourselves or disappointment, or we think we should be better, we think we should be different, or we think we whatever. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's wonderful that, you know, it is easier for us to open our heart to others, but it actually is so important that our love starts from the inside out and that it, it starts at home with ourselves. Mm. And ultimately, our awareness, our love is what really in the final analysis heals ourselves and for sure helps us awaken. Mm. And it, Also, the more we learn to be with our own stuff and allow that to transform, it gives us more um, uh, openness, courage, willingness to actually be with somebody else's suffering and allow that to transform into love, into joy as well. Mm. So there's eight steps in this meditation and Tibetan meditation, not always, there's different kinds. There's also hundreds and hundreds of kinds of meditation from Tibetan Buddhism. But some of it is um, maybe what people would recognize as just quiet sitting. And some of it is very creative, where we're visualizing, imagining, we're maybe doing mantras, we're working with the chakras, with the breath. So in this meditation, um, There's eight steps, and we can do a whole meditation practice on the cushion, which could take anywhere from maybe half an hour or longer, you know, as long as we wanted to sit and do it. Mm -hmm. Or there's an on-the-spot version where we could do any one of these eight steps, just one of them, in 10 to 30 seconds or in five minutes, Mm -hmm. anywhere in life or on the cushion. 
but say we're just at the grocery store and we just want to do one of those steps, we can just immediately do that. And and this, this transformational part of it, we can also do that anywhere, anytime. So any of the steps and in a, you know, just like I said, in 10 or 30 seconds or in a few minutes, whatever we choose. So this meditation is highly adaptable and it's really beneficial both on the cushion in a more, you know, uh, sitting there form, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, say, for example, uh, we see somebody who's suffering. We just happen to walk by them and we notice that they look like they're suffering. We can simply breathe in their suffering, feel this light in the heart, instantly transform that suffering into love, which brings joy, and then send that light, which is healing, awakened love back into them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's something we can do in the inner level that helps transform our own heart minds to bring forward our awakened love. So, um, and one of the steps also, which is probably quite new for a lot of people, and I give adaptations for each of the steps for any religion you don't have to do the buddhist version you can adapt the principle the kind of key point of the meditation to any religion or for people who are spiritual and not religious you can adapt it that way so i feel really good about that my teacher also had adapted tibetan meditations for catholic priests for other people that came to study with him Mm, that's terrific because I feel there is some separation in the thoughts around meditation where I've heard some of my um, family members who are Catholic or Christian, you know, feel like it's, it's against their religion meditation where, I mean, I think it's just maybe your meditation is prayer and maybe it's, you know, it's just something different, right? It's call it something. Right. People get so tied up in the words, you know, and they think, oh, meditation, that's just if you're Buddhist. Well, not really, right? You're, you're doing similar things, and every religion is doing similar things. It might just be called something different. So Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah I mean, in Catholicism, yeah. for example, they do a lot of mantras, just mm-hmm. like they do in Hinduism and Buddhism and Sufism, you know, right. and a lot of prayers in all the religions. And then the Christian way of meditating is like a quiet centering mm-hmm. prayer. And so I really feel that's true. And I think that all the religions are like different flowers in the human garden. Yes. They all have their own beauty and richness. And so these principles of this meditation can be yeah, adapted. So one of the ways that we help that this meditation helps bring forth our awakened heart or our divine heart, like our divine presence or awakened presence is in the Buddhist way, and then I'll give an example from a Christian way that this could be done. We call on um, this great uh, bodhisattva, the bodhisattva of compassion and love. And a bodhisattva is, is like a Buddha who is constantly in our world in order to benefit beings. And 
so he's vowed to save all beings from suffering this great bodhisattva and he's been working on this for millions of years and this particular bodhisattva is called Kuan Yin in China and called Chen Reizi by Tibetans and called Canon in Japan so has different forms you know in different Buddhist cultures so if, say, for a Christian point of view, we could also call upon God or Jesus or even Mary. Mary right. And we imagine that, of course, God is uh, boundaryless, you know, not really in a specific form. But we could sense the presence of God above our head, all around us. Or we could imagine Jesus above our head. Or in this, in the Buddhist case, we imagine this bodhisattva. And then we pray that our own love and compassion may be fully open like theirs is. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of our example. And from a Buddhist point of view, we all have the potential to fully awaken, to be fully um, embodiments of wisdom and love that's um, infinite. And so... We pray that that may happen, that our own wisdom and love may open to infinite bounds and include everyone in all the universes. Mm -hmm. And then we receive the blessing. So in a Buddhist context, this bodhisattva dissolves into light into us mm -hmm. and we become one with him and we feel that there's this brilliant light in our heart. And uh, there's a drawing in the book. It's a crystal Vajra, mm -hmm. a specific symbol that actually is the embodiment of this wisdom and love, awakened wisdom and love, divine wisdom and love. So say, say if we are doing this as a Christian, um, they may or may not feel comfortable with Jesus dissolving into them or anything, but you could feel that Jesus or God or Mary is blessing you mm -hmm. and saying, yes, this will open through our prayers, through our wishes, then that will open. And then we can feel that the light of the Holy Spirit or, you know, the light is in our heart, this mm -hmm. divine presence, and that that's inseparable with our true being, who we really truly are mm -hmm. as children of God. So yeah, that's I, an example of, really you know, a Buddhist way of doing it or a Christian way of doing. Mm -hmm. So I give a lot of, you know, examples for people and then the right. whole point of this is to help us get in contact with our own awakened heart or our own awakened mind in buddhism heart and mind are considered the same mm. they're not different and they all abide in here in the heart chakra they don't abide in the head mm. so they think uh in the himalayan peoples they think the mind abides in the heart chakra oh i love that no that's a great distinction because i think people think it's it's separate you know and uh, like you being a psychotherapist and so you know uh, buddhist and spiritual you think like aren't they kind of different but they're really not Exactly. Yeah. There's a funny story. There's this Richard Davison, um, Davidson, a researcher in Michigan, who I think it's Michigan, yeah, who has done a lot of um, like neuropsych research with the Dalai Lama and his monks. Mm -hmm. And when he was first um, measuring their capacity to rest in loving kindness and meditation, you can 
see that with the brain. He was starting to attach all these electromagnetic sensors to their heads. Mm -hmm. And the monks started laughing and laughing, and they couldn't stop laughing. And so he, the researchers, Richard Davidson said to them, like, what's so funny? Like, why are you laughing? They said, well, you're putting these on our head, but our heart, our mind is in our heart. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's it. And they just thought it, they'd never heard of that before and they thought it was hysterically funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But we don't think like that. We think things are, you know, so separate, right? But we think yes. we're, you know, sometimes separate as people. So I love the fact that you brought together no matter what religion brings you joy and you follow and you love it, it's it's we're all more alike than we're different right we tend to focus on the, the differences instead of like what it's really at the heart of hearts about absolutely yeah. yes yes so then this meditation helps us get in touch with you know especially over time as we do it with our own divine presence our own divine being our own awakened mind mm -hmm. and then that is what transforms the suffering into joy because that has the capacity and as soon as the suffering comes in touches the light the light instantly emits like a lightning bolt completely transforming that suffering into love into healing um, presence and and that brings joy automatically mm -hmm. and then that light goes into whoever you're doing the meditation for it could be for a loved one who's in pain it could be for as i mentioned we usually start with ourselves, and you know unless you're doing like an instant on the spot version mm -hmm. and it could be for say people in a work torn area it could be for people in a part of the world where there's a tragedy happening mm -hmm. You know, or it could just be for your best friend because she's having a hard time. So yeah. whoever it's for, the suffering is instantly transformed into this healing love. And I think a lot of times people feel like, wow, I have so much suffering. I can't, the idea of taking more in just is repugnant. Mm. But Caring, loving people, we're constantly taking in the suffering of the world, especially through the media nowadays, right. because we have so much access to so much information, and we unconsciously take it in, and it just sits there. Yeah. So people this meditation... Really, that's, really, that's really powerful, because people don't understand kind of the collective consciousness and the collective uh, suffering you know, that, can, that can happen with, with the bombardment of so much information right and and we know the media is um about creating fear you know it's about mm -hmm. creating that mm -hmm. in a way for us like this is bad this is so everything's so bad you know where we know it's really not in some cases and it's all too i think your perspective right what like what you think is suffering and someone else thinks is suffering could be totally different too so it's mm -hmm. interesting i like the the dynamic of that that it, it, i guess it yeah. doesn't matter to judge it it's just what you feel yeah, and we take in when we hear about things, and then it just sits there unprocessed, and it weighs us down. So this meditation is also really good for transforming and liberating what's just sitting there, our own unmet suffering, unprocessed suffering, and that of others, mm -hmm. and really actively liberating it into love, into joy. Mm, I can see that being so beneficial to people suffering with addictions or 
that because I think a lot of people are just numbing out from it, right? It's just so much bombardment. It's just, I'm just going to go numb out with whatever heart addiction, soft addiction, whatever, you know, <laughs> too much of something right. maybe that's not productive for them or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I love that it's just something. Yeah, that's... I think as humans, we go to addiction, distraction, numbing. I mean, you know, yeah. we we don't want to feel pain. But in this practice, we're actually not really feeling pain, but we're allowing ourselves to open consciously to the suffering and allow it to be transformed. Mm. And as awareness meets the suffering and the method for transforming it, then that, you know, that liberation occurs where otherwise, you know, we, we are going to constantly want to numb out, get away from it in whatever way we can. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's just human nature, right? We, like, right. How can I not right. feel? Oh, I can overeat or I can, you know, have alcohol or I can watch too much TV or how can I just, yeah, just right. kind of not exactly. feel, right? Because we're in a world now too where not feeling is peddled, right? Take this pill, take this thing, buy this car, what, you know, whatever, right? In this distraction of what, you know, what can get us from not feeling and not experiencing that. So I love that it's, um, it, it, and, I, and I loved your on-the-spot meditation. You're on the spot because I think that, you know, a lot of people feel like, I don't have time to meditate. And what's the old quote? Like, you say you don't have time, you need to meditate double, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And also, like, the first step is just letting go of all your thoughts, letting go of everything you're feeling or doing in the moment, mm. and just resting the mind in open awareness. Mm. And that's also like pressing a reset button any time, you know, you can even just do it on the freeway while you're driving. I mean, it just let, you know, it's a mental thing. So just letting go, you let your body relax and just rest your mind in openness and awareness. And so these steps are, you know, there's a lot of explanation and, you know, ways to, to deepen it. But mm -hmm. if you get the hang of it, then they're really simple, you know, and just direct. And right. even from beginning, if you just enter into it, it, it has a real simplicity to it and mm -hmm. can really help us to, during daily life, to not just react from our habitual patterns, but to give ourselves a chance to respond in a more thoughtful way. Mm. And, and also to the reset for ourselves not only helps how we respond to the world, but it helps our whole biophysical system or psychophysical system relax and unwind a little bit from all the speediness of our lives. Right. Absolutely. The mind body connection, you know, it's so powerful. And like you said, it just, um, some, the suffering lives in our body physically and then our body can start physically breaking down from the, the suffering, the right. stress, the, all of those things that come in on a daily basis sometimes to us. So being able to have that, that, um, that time to be able to meditate, to just whatever that time is for you. Like you said, if it's five minutes, if it's 30 minutes, if it's two hours, it's whatever it is, but just awakening the mind, the heart and, and, if it's at, you know, at a traffic light for, for 30 seconds, then right. It's, it, there's benefits right, there. Right. There's benefits there. And, um, I tell a story in the book that I actually taught this meditation to a three-year-old quite some years ago. 
And because she was distressed seeing roadkill, you know, the animals on the road that inadvertently get hit on the freeway or something. And she was upset seeing kids on the playground sometimes being mean to another kid. And I taught this meditation to her and she did it in those circumstances while in the car or on the playground. So it's easy enough that a three-year-old can do it. Yeah. So I think anybody can do. And in the book, I give a lot of examples and personal stories. In some ways, it's very personal. I tell some intimate stories and about myself and other people, you know, to give people a sense of what this meditation can do for them. And mm. so it's both really an opening and growing of our heart and our love. And the more we feel love inside of ourselves and feel that it's emanating from ourselves, that we can give it to other people, really the more fulfilled we are. Because, you know, just like you were mentioning a little while ago, like we go after all these things, the new job, the new car, the new house, the new relationship. But, you know, really ultimately we don't actually necessarily find those things so fulfilling you know relationships are very important and necessary as are you know decent jobs and good housing but you know there's a point where just getting more and more of whatever doesn't satisfy and really being able to be in touch with the purity, the goodness of who we truly are, Mm. and what Buddhism calls our uh, basic goodness that every human being has and is. Mm. And sometimes that's very covered over by a lot of suffering and confusion. And uncovering that, which this meditation helps us do, is, you know, really brings us deep um, joy and peace, Mm. as well as, uh, you know, growing our love and capacity to love which also does that totally yeah um so real quick as we wrap up um the on the spot meditation it's it's breathing in suffering well there's eight steps so each step has its own um each step is a little mini meditation Gotcha. So okay. within each step, yeah, so, there's a little something yeah. you could so, do. So I think it's the maybe sixth step where you say, breathe in the suffering of that child on the pre- playground. It touches the light in the heart. And then that instantly turns that suffering into love, into joy, into mm-hmm. healing energy that goes into that child as white light. Mm-hmm. You see them being healed, being filled with light and eventually like awakened at peace and joy and like that. So that's mm-hmm. one of the steps in that brief on the spot version. Right. Right. Oh, that's terrific. I, that's just, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And again, I think we, we try to make things too complicated sometimes. So just knowing that there's just the everyday, you know, type of thing that we might come across either with ourselves, our own self frustration or whatever that we can, we can do that on the spot or, or for someone right. else too. Yeah. Yeah. Just for ourselves too. We can say we're bad talking ourselves and yeah. giving ourselves a hard time. We can just do that step of instantly letting go rest in awareness and then do a little mini on the spot version of really having compassion for ourselves Yeah, That's and so some loving kindness for ourselves, thinking, you know, that we're doing the best we can. Absolutely. And everybody is worthy of love. Oh, 
Absolutely. Starts with us first. <laughs> Even ourselves. Even yes. ourselves, yes. exactly. Well, this is the book, Love on Every Breath. Conglin Meditation for Transforming Pain and Joy. So um, this is available Amazon. Amazon, books. wherever books are wherever sold. Wherever books yeah. are sold. Okay, great. So grab your copy because this is just a beautiful, beautiful gift. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, before we close out, I want to ask just a couple of questions you can share with our audience. First off, um, what book that you've read, either recently or in the past, um, had a massive impact on you, whether it impacted you to write your own or impacted you in your life and your journey? I think the book that really impacted my life the most was Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm. And I read that when I was 14 years old. And it really, I think, gave me a window into a obviously an entirely different way of life than I had ever seen in growing up in the States. And it just opened the possibilities of a whole different way of being. And I love Yogananda and his story. Love the story. Exactly. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, okay. If you could leave the world with a final message, like your golden nugget, what would it be? That the more we can open to love inside of ourselves, the easier our lives are going to be, the more fulfilling, the more peace, the more joy. Mm. So that love is the salve that really makes life so much more uh, enjoyable and fulfilling. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, how can we uh, connect with you and support you? Uh, So my website is Mm lamapalden.org, L-A-M-A. P-A-L-D-E-N, LamaPalden.org, and everything's on there about the book. There's also um, some information and about my spiritual coaching practice and my teaching activities and various things. So, Oh, fantastic. But, fantastic. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. And our final question, um, our organization is called Rise Up For You. So when you hear that, that term, Rise Up For You, what does it mean to you? It really means to me, I love that, and it means that in the face of what's going on in our lives, that we rise up to meet it with our best self, mm. with our our sincere effort, really, you know, to, to um, make the most of our lives and to give it the best we have. Mm. That's beautiful, and that's, and that's what we're about, and, and what you're about, too, is just standing along the journey of life to becoming our best self and, and putting that out in jail world for other people. So absolutely love that. And I want to thank you so much for, for taking your time to be on the podcast today. It was just so enlightening. And like I said, please grab uh, Lama Paulden's book, Love on Every Breath. It's absolutely gorgeous. And um, I just so enjoyed getting to know you even better. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.